Hello, and welcome to the Muses Lab, your destination for all things pleasure as it relates to our human experience, relationships, spirituality, and sexuality. I invite you to join me on this adventure of discovery and hope what you receive inspires you to become the muse of your life's journey. So without further ado, let's explore. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Muses Lab podcast. I'm your host, Siobhan L, and I have a second guest today. This is exciting. We got Miss Lily Shepherd in the building. One day I'm going to have like clap and recording and stuff, but y'all just going to have to deal with this for now. But yeah. So excited to have you here. So excited to be back. Awesome. Um, so, you know, Spotify does like their rap thing at the end of the year, right? So I'm looking at my metrics and I see the podcast that we did earlier this year. By the way, whenever you're listening to this, this is being recorded December 2023. So we recorded, I think it was like April or like August or somewhere between spring and summer of 2023. And our episode together was the most shared episode of the podcast. That blew my mind. <laughs> I'm going to yes. pop my collar and pop, pop yours too, please. Yes. Popping collars, dusting shoulders, adjusting crowns. Amazing. That that made me like super, super happy. But then that also affirmed that having guests on the podcast, specifically guests who are in alignment with the Muses Lab and have similar directional paths are very important because that is um, what people want to hear. So you back. I'm back. Excitement, excitement. So when we, we got together to, to talk about what we, we what we were going to discuss, we had like a very lengthy conversation and there were just a lot of gems being dropped. So one of the things we talked about was, do you want to be safe or do you want to be free? Hmm. Come on. <laughs> Just let that sit for a moment. Do you want to be safe or do you want to be free? Because we're both content creators. We're both pleasure practitioner, pr- practitioners. Your One of your lanes is movement, central movement, body movement, how to tap into that as a means of pleasure, reconnecting with yourself, reconnecting with your sensuality. I just direct people towards you because movement practice is not what I do, but you do it. So I'm going to tell people to go (laughs) to you so that they can learn. But I do talk about movement as a way to ground and center yourself. And there are a lot of people who are dibbling and dabbling in things that we have been doing for years, right? You are a trained professional dancer. You are actually um, academician in dance and history, dance historian. So this is literally what you do. So a lot of people are starting to come into uh, pleasure practitioner and movement practice because it seems profitable, right? However, when you enter into these realms, right? It can be the safe thing to follow the blueprint of other people. But if you truly want to be free in what you do as a practitioner, it may mean that you have to go against how other people are zigging, right? You might have to zag instead of 
big. So how has that, as your career has evolved in this space, how has that influenced your movement now? Well, it's interesting because as someone that is so connected to movement, Mm -hmm. this idea of zagging when everyone's zigging felt foreign to me for Mm -hmm. a very long time because now this is my business. Mm -hmm. And so this idea of who I am as an artist and who I am as a businesswoman being two separate entities was something that I had to reconcile because in reality it's the you know I'm the same being and and those things can can function together and function together well but I think when I started to look at what I offer and decide mm-hmm. that I'm going to build a business around that I thought that I had to be in business mode Mm. and I kind of turned off what had gotten me to the point where I was as an artist and as a facilitator. And now I started seeking out other input and other information from people in business and then tried to put those things together to my frustration. Um, I was trying to take this over here and then, but add this over there. And, and what are they saying about the elements that you need to build a successful business? But what do I know to be true through my own lived experience and the people that I've worked with and how do I make this all make sense? So it's been a struggle. I can't lie. It's been a struggle. And I'm just honestly coming out the other side and realizing that I can actually build this thing from the ground up exactly the way that I want to. And that feels good for me. I love that. First of all, you touched on multiple points for me, because also as an artist, you, it, it, I'm like, there's so many things happening right now. So I'm thinking about threads conversations when people are like, Stop listening to these social media gurus telling you to monetize your passion and all this other stuff. Then I'm thinking about the kind of like the groundwork we set, like, okay, I need to monetize my business. Like, this is what I want to do for like ever. And I know I need to monetize it. So let me drop some money here to this coach. Let me drop some money here to that coach. And you start accumulating all of this knowledge and you're trying to integrate it with your artistry. And it's like in resistance with one another. So people talk about like the starving artist and it's not that we want to starve. It's when you are an artist, like that's like, like your rib. It's like a part of who you are. So now you're telling me I got to sell myself because essentially that's kind of like how it feels. It feels like you're taking a part of yourself and now you got to sell yourself and you have to capitalize yourself and you have to turn your art, your gift your your talent into this capitalistic thing in order for you to survive so we end up becoming like a starving artist because you get tired of trying to capitalize yourself and trying to monetize yourself when you just want to create things and you just want to share those babies with the world right so I think I feel like 
there is a resurgence or a renaissance of the artist learning how to properly integrate ways to be in service to the community while still being an artist and not compromising themselves. Absolutely. Because I don't like to feel like a commodity. Mm. You know, this is a service. I have a service-based business. Um, It's a healing business. And there's something that changes when you are now in the marketplace. And what's been helpful for me is to ramp up my offerings in the community as a healing artist and make those very accessible so that I feel good about that. And I feel like I'm in my purpose and there are no blocks towards people being able to access what it is that I offer. Mm -hmm. And that frees me up to then get out of this inner turmoil about charging and making money and putting a price on and all of these other things. But I think in the beginning, it's hard to do that because one, you want to say yes to everything. And it feels like For me, I remember feeling like I had to squeeze the most out of every Mm. transaction, right? Because I didn't know when I was going to get hired to do another workshop or when someone was going to book me or so I felt like there was real scarcity mindset around it Mm. because I didn't know when my next gig was coming. And so moving from kind of being in a, gig economy and to actually building a business that can sustain you where you can actually begin to come to understand and come to expect a certain amount of revenue. You can actually project into the future. And and it is helpful. Some of those things that you learn about business and how to build sustainably in a way so that your income is repeatable. But no, I didn't know that. Yeah. So I was in the the struggle of, I don't know when the next time something is going to happen. So let me squeeze all that I can. And that didn't make me feel good inside. Because no, I, I feel, feel what this work is ever about. I, I feel you because when you, you're trying to squeeze all that you can get out of it, now you feel like you're starting to take advantage of people. And you don't want to feel like you're taking advantage of people. So not only do you feel like you're taking advantage of people, you feel like you're overusing yourself. Because when you try to squeeze all that you can out of at least one offering, then you burn yourself out. As opposed to building an ecosystem around an offering that can sustain itself over time. Like you don't know that in the beginning. It's like trial and error. And you get to those walls of burnout you get to those walls of people feeling like, oh, she don't asking money for this and money for that. Every time I get an email from her, it's about selling something. And like, I'm still trying to get through this first half of the, the course that we went through. And now it's like another course. And I don't even know if I'm ready for this course. So, you, you know, it's, it's- we have to be comfortable. And, and that's 
I, I have to be comfortable that I have something to sell and offer in the marketplace. Yeah. I am selling you a service that mm. will change your life. Mm. And it took me a long time though, to be comfortable with that. Like, yes, I am selling you something. This is an exchange. Mm. You, you know, this is, I feel like you are getting a lot of value from what I am giving in exchange for this currency, but it took me a very long time to even say those words out of my mouth. Yes, I'm selling you something. Yes, I have something to offer that I think is of great value to you. Yes, it costs money. Yes, it's not cheap. I, so I'm listening to you and it's, it's striking a chord with me because I haven't actually got to the part yet where I can say, yes, this is an exchange. You are, I am providing a service and in exchange, you are providing currency for my time, for my acumen, for the space that I have to create, for the tools that I have to maintain in order to create this service offering haven't actually like touched and agreed with that yet. So you saying it is like, duh, <laughs> like, yes, this is what this is for. But also in the same vein, I'm adding value to your life. It's not just you are in investing in whatever this service offering is and this is a one and done thing. Like this is the only time that this information is going to be applicable to you. I'm providing tools for you to maintain and sustain whatever path and direction that you are moving forward in your life. So these are tools that I'm equipping you with. That That's where the value comes in because it's not a one and done thing. It's not, oh, you join this webinar. These are tools that's going to get you through the first half of the stage and the path that you're going on. These tools are actually sustainable foundational tools that as you begin to grow and scale, if you find yourself off track, you can circle back to what I taught you in and the beginning. That's the thing is that sometimes the things that we learn and concepts that we're introduced to don't even begin to take root until mm. six months, a year, two years, three years down the road. So it's absolutely not one and done, mm -hmm. but it's also up to the individual themselves mm -hmm. to connect to the material, to really immerse themselves in what they're learning and to make the decision that what they're being offered, they're going to treasure, they're going to take seriously, and they're going to do their part as well. Because I think there's a lot of personal responsibility when you offer a service yeah. You feel personally responsible for people's outcomes. Yeah. You know, they invested this money with you. They invested this time. You want to be able to say without a shadow of a doubt and guarantee that they will get X, Y, and Z result. When in reality, so much of it depends on how they show up for their part of the exchange mm -hmm. as well. It's beyond just us. But I think that as service providers, and as healing artists, we sometimes take all of that burden mm -hmm. on ourselves. You made a valid point. So in like marketing, when we do social media ads, 
right? We always tell the client that you got to wait at least 90 days for you to start seeing results. But we live in such a microwave culture that people assume that once you do a paid ad, like in the first week, you're going to see some type of elevation or result. And it's the same with being a service provider. People think like once they take a class or they do a coaching session that great after this class or this coaching session, like next week, my whole entire life is going to change. And it's very unrealistic for people to assume that, right? So then it's dual. It's knowing that there's a timeline that it takes for all of this information to be applied, right? Because now you have to learn and apply what you've done. So there's an application process, but then there's a consistency process on your part as the person who has received the information. So if you're not willing to show up and do the work after the class, because showing up to the class is one part of the work. The second part of the work is what you do when you apply the tools and the information that you receive. Say that. You have to apply. Otherwise, we are wasting our time. Both of Literally. us. Literally. Wasting, wasting time. I mean, like, thank you for your money, but I would rather you give me your money knowing that you're actually going to do what you said you was going to do when you came into this class, as opposed to just being, you know, kind of cavalier with it and just spending money. Just, I want to take this class. I want to take this class because you're accumulating all this knowledge and you have it stored in your mental filing bank. But what are you doing with it? And, and we do that often. I've been guilty of that. I, I have a membership to orange theory fitness, right? Mm. Um, I have a, Pilates membership. And there was a point in time. Now, how often was I really going to these things? But it made me feel good to be like, well, I have a membership. I have an Orange Theory Fitness and a Pilates membership. Ask me how often I was going. Okay. What does it matter? But I sure would flex. Yeah, well, actually, I'm signed up for Orange Theory and Club Pilates, so I really got that locked down. You know, as far as fitness, I'm all good and wasn't going to a damn thing. But just the fact that I had signed up and they were steady taking my money made me feel like I was doing something. And meanwhile, I'm making no forward progress, no movement. But we often do that with things or we buy a thing and then it just sits there that we wanted so much. We saw it and we had to have it. We went back to go get it. And now that we have it, it's just sitting there. The whole word. I'm just sitting here listening to you, reflecting on myself because <laughs> I am I am similar. Like there are people who are really taking my money right now and I haven't attended a webinar, I ain't attend a class, but I'm a member. <laughs> and you feel good about that. You do. It's better than nothing. Mm -hmm. I have made an attempt. I have made a step, mm -hmm. but what good is a step? Mm -hmm. You know, if you're not willing to take the next one. Building a bridge, my therapist taught me that. How do you build a bridge to your goal? And 
she gave that to me because at the time I was trying to move to California. I've been talking about moving to California for at least the last decade. I don't, I think that might be a dream to her, but I was very serious about doing it. And I was like, I don't know. This is even before I got my ADHD diagnosis. And I was like, I don't know how to start. I don't know how to get there. And she said, well, how do you build a bridge? What's the first thing that you have to do? And I was like, save money. And she was like, that's step one. Save some money. (laughs) Then you start moving towards the next step because you can't get to the other side of your goal unless you build a bridge to get there. And I haven't seen this woman in almost five years because she was like, you're fine. You don't need to see me anymore. Lie. I need therapy. But that, if nothing else, she taught me that resonated with me. And I, when I get lost in the direction that I'm trying to go, I always go back to how do I build a bridge? Yeah. And you can't just put one part down Mm. and decide you're done. Mm. You will not make it to the other side. Mm. Yeah, because that's that's given delusion, right? I know we all talk about being like master manifestors and creating the reality and, and, and creating our experience and reality, our desired reality, right? But there is actual application of things that goes into that. We can't just build the step and be like, all right, the rest of the, the bridge is just going to manifest itself. I mean... That may happen for some people. I'm not saying it doesn't, but for the majority of us, there is work required. So we we make the attempt, like we attempted to join Pilates, we attempted to join whatever type of pleasure practitioner memberships and things like that. But the work goes into us actually showing up to the class, to the offerings, to the webinars, engaging with the community. That's where the application of the work comes in. So, yeah. Yeah. It's it's the process. You know, we are Mm -hmm. just focused on the result and we want to see the start and Mm -hmm. the finish. And we don't care what it looked like in the middle. We want to see I started at this and 90 days later, I ended at that. Mm -hmm. And no one is invested in the process. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a big part of the problem we want to rush through and just give me that result you know like Mm. I I what I'm gonna be more confident I'm gonna be this I'm gonna be that I'm gonna lose some weight I'm gonna make some money show me the end result and I think that's what many people are tiring of in marketing, in in how Mm. people are presenting these offerings and these things and making these promises and I've Mm -hmm. stopped doing that. I've stopped doing that. I've, I've lengthened the amount of time um, that an engagement with me is Mm. because I feel like I don't want to sit up here and tell you in two weeks, this and four weeks, this and 90 days, this we're going to work together for six months or for 12 months, because that is baseline how long it takes to acclimate to Mm. envisioning your life in a different way, moving your body in a different way, Mm. getting your nervous system in a different state than what it was. These things take time. And so I've let go of any 60, 90 day, anything. Yeah. And I've also 
started putting more emphasis on the personal responsibility and stopped saying things like, I'm going to promise you this or working with me, you're guaranteed that. And it's like, you're guaranteed to get what you put in. Yeah. I'm, I'm a guide. I'm going to give you every tool that I have. I'm going to support you. I'm going to hold you accountable. I'm going to cheer you on. I'm going to hold space for you, but I'm not going to guarantee you anything. Mm. I love that. It's as you're speaking about that, I'm thinking about, we were talking about navigating expert culture. So a lot of that, I feel like that ties into people making these 60, 90 day promises or you'll, I'm a, you'll, I'm change your life in 30 days, which is like unrealistic, right? Because it takes 21 days to, to, to start a habit, not even to maintain it, like to be consistent in the habit. It, that's like 21 days. And then it takes you about 30 to 90 days for it to become part of your natural routine, right? So we're talking six months for it to just now be embedded into your personal ecosystem, right? So and what would happen? What would happen if we, instead of doing six 60 day programs, mm-hmm. just found one consistent thing, one thing to do for a year? It sounds mm-hmm. so big, and no one wants to dedicate that amount of time, and no one wants to wait that long. But wouldn't it be so much easier instead of doing something for 60 days? feeling good, feeling confident, letting it fall off for a month or two, getting back on the horse for another 60 days, doing it, feeling great again, falling off the horse, putting it to the side, coming back on. That's what most people do. Yeah. And you and you constantly get that rush of I'm starting a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. I'm back on. This time is going to be different. But yeah. it often isn't. And if we could just give ourselves an extended period of time, I think we might be better for it. I know, I lo- actually, I don't think I know. I love that because it, it's also making me think about hybrid culture. And I don't know when our world started to transition into like having hybrid roles where you're doing multiple things in one and you're not realizing you're doing the work of two people as a singular person, right? So I feel like because of hybrid culture, we think that we can learn something in 30 days or 90 days and then become an expert in it. And then I can transition into something else when you haven't actually mastered it, right? So when you do a master's program, it takes you 18 months (laughs) to get a master's degree. Talk about it. 18 months to get a master's degree. I'm sorry, you want to teach me how to do what? And you now you want to teach wait, you've been doing this for this long. You got a certificate. And now you want to teach me how to do it? You cannot be an actual expert because it literally takes you 18 months to get a master's degree, right? So that's when, and that's after you requisites that you have <laughs> must, that you yes. have to have already completed before. Correct. Correct. 
like you need to have a bachelor's degree before you get a master's degree. So now you have like 12, 16 years of schooling before you can even get a master's degree. And you want to tell me that you can master something in 60 days? You lied to yourself. <laughs> but they are out there. They are. They are out there. And there are, we are all distracted by who speaks the loudest, who is the the catchiest, whose content is engaging and the audio is trending. Oh, we love Tell to it. see it. Tell it. We love to see it. But um, I think expert culture is on a decline. I can tell by the types of content even that I'm seeing that I feel so grateful for when someone writes a well thought out article. Mm-hmm. Or I don't, and it's not like I'm, I mind reels and jumping around and pointing. I don't, I'm not bothered by that. I love movement. Give me theatrical, you know, I like to see the creative expression behind how you're going to relay the information to me. Yeah. And I can tell more easily when I'm being deceived by a bunch of loud talking, pointing, trending audio, lifestyle, luxury content, it's much easier to decipher now because I used to get excited. Like, I want to see more from this person, Uh you know, and I would get on the roll with that and start going down the rabbit hole and looking at the content. And the more I looked, the more entertained I was. And also, the more I realized there's really no substance here. I have lingered on this page because I like what I see. Mm -hmm. But what about this content tells me that this person, A, is an expert, B, is living Mm -hmm. with their teaching? Mm -hmm. To me, this kind of seems like they take all this off when the camera goes off. Yep. Because it's I don't get a full picture. Right. And you know, Instagram is is what it is. We we mm-hmm. no one gets a full picture. Exactly. However, I do feel when someone is marketing a service or to be a coach or to be a provider of some sort, you can tell if you really pay attention. For whom is this a performance and for Mm -hmm. whom is this the way that they live and operate in the world? I love that because that that ties into the practitioner versus persona. And a lot of people have the persona down like they have they have mastered the aesthetics, but you can master aesthetics. That's easy. Right. Because all that is, is just copying what other people are doing and then putting your little spin on it so you can master aesthetics but to master the practice of something to master the information the knowledge the wisdom and the tools you can't do that in 60 days 
That is true. And also, I feel like we would be remiss if we didn't speak about the amount of privilege that there is mm-hmm. that folks that have resources mm-hmm. and can get have the best quality video content yeah. and have someone around always capturing and be in these beautiful spaces and places mm-hmm. and spend money on boosted posts and ads and have that behind them Mm. because there are so many wonderful people that are doing healing work that you will never, that it's not glossy. It's not a glossy thing. It's not a, it almost feels like, and it's better that way. Right. Mm -hmm. It feels better that way. I love when I go to someone's class or experience and I'm like, what's your Instagram? Oh, I'm not on there. Oh, I love that even more. (laughs) I honestly do, because this is just a thing that happened. This was just a beautiful exchange that happened. And and that's where it lives and that's where it stays. And I know that. That doesn't even factor in. And I'm on Instagram. I'm on the things. Does that make my experience any less authentic? Mm. It doesn't. But there is something about getting that content when it becomes content. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's no longer just the experience. You're you want to get content out of it. Yeah. For example, a friend of mine and I were just talking about Renaissance. I believe we we talked about it a little bit yeah. on threads too. And this idea that Beyonce was giving us this intimate peek into who she is as a mm-hmm. as a mother and as a creative force and as a director and producer and her her moments with her mom and her husband and her children and and that forced intimacy though because it's content is mm. it how how much are we really seeing the camera is always rolling and that in itself makes for a different experience mm. it does i've worked in my offerings to keep some things outside of that yeah. there will be classes where i'll say to everyone hey camera's going to be on if you don't wish to participate or be in be on this side of the room because not everybody wants that but also it's a thing we yeah. want people to get the feeling and 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 know and and spread the word and come to our events and our offerings so it's a very fine line but the world that we live in is rough yeah. it's rough because what really is intimate then what really you know the camera's always rolling even now i'm getting content mhm mm-hmm. we're having this conversation my camera's on i might say something worth sharing yeah yeah you know i i think there cuz it leads me to 
what is performance and what is, you know, genuine and authentic. And even though I feel like with us, the camera is rolling and we're recording the audio and things of that nature, you know, we'll go back and we'll listen and we'll pull out some gems gems and, and that's shareable content, right? And for us, that's a way for people to better connect to us because I feel like in these moments, it's supposed to be intimate, but not intimate so much as you're getting like a sneak peek, but like intimate as I'm involving you in the conversation, right? So now you get to be involved in the conversation and that may spark conversation on the audience's end or whoever's sharing, right? That may spark conversation for you and that may spark content for you. So you may be inspired by this, right? But I feel like things like, I haven't seen Renaissance yet. Hopefully I'll see that before the end of the year. But even when you have reality shows or those things that's like behind the scenes, because I've seen Homecoming. So I know Renaissance and Homecoming are kind of on the same vein. There's a, that type of intimacy is like, you think this was two snaps in a circle, but this is what it takes to produce this huge production and some of the sacrifices that you have to make if you want this level of excellence. So I feel like it's that form of intimacy. Like if you want this level of excellence, this is what it takes. And it's supposed to be inspirational content. It's intimate because it's behind the scenes, but it's a different, it's a different perspective of intimacy and behind the scenes. Like we're being into our intimate perspective here is the sharing of information. And I feel like that intimate perspective is so you don't think this is easy. Yes. A show and tell per se, Mm -hmm. a show and tell per se. And it's important to highlight that performance isn't always a bad thing. I think Mm. we're, you're so performative it's yeah, not we real talked about that the last yeah, podcast it's too. not yeah. real and when you are a leader and mm. you are teaching or you are guiding and you are in a leadership role or position mm. there is a performance element yeah true there is you are performing you you yeah. are using your body movements, your tone of voice, mm. your expression to convey something. That's mm. that's what people are gravitated towards. So yeah. I think it's important that we don't go down the path of performative or performance is always a bad thing. You know, I just yeah. posted something on threads about yoga teachers. Mm. And I saw that. I said that you can guide in a way that feels natural and authentic to you. Sometimes we step into these roles and we see how it's always been done. And I was Mm. saying, you don't have to speak like this when you hold a yoga class and you don't always have to infuse your poses with stories of how the universe is supporting you through this pose because that's what 
we are used to seeing from yoga teachers and we think that in order to be effective, we must come into the space and project that. I can't stand that when I go to classes and I'm like, what do you really sound like? Can you please talk how you normally sound? Because I know you don't talk like that. And so it's a fine balance, right? Because there is, you do want to speak in a way and in a tone that conveys power and authority. You just don't want to be like, hey guys, so can we do some downward dog? I get that. And also you can be yourself. You don't have to like conform to what you think a yoga teacher should sound like because it i live in austin and boy when i tell you it's hilarious it's hilarious and then it's hilarious to see the instructors like after class it's like night and day it's like it's like night and day and it will never stop being amusing to me ever but that's kind of how I feel about some of the Instagram folks yeah and 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 the presentation of it all and we get to be different ways in different spaces right we we do to do that but I think I want to learn from people who are living what it is that I'm seeing yeah that they are living that and they can tell me about that Mm -hmm. when I get on a call I want to know more than just about your program and the cost mm-hmm. and how many times a week we meet on Zoom and what are the expectations. And I want to hear something from you about how this work has impacted your life, like from your mouth, not on your bio yeah. page. I want to hear that personal story. Because I think a lot of us don't do our due diligence. We get distracted by the bright, shiny, Mm -hmm. glossy reels that are so fun. And we just want to fork over our credit card without doing the due diligence. And we can all be gotten. You know, no one is above being scam. But we have to at least try. (laughs) Yeah. I, I resonate with all of that, particularly with the performance part, because we did talk. I think that was our topic for the last podcast. Like, there's nothing wrong with performance, right? And I, I agree that there is space for that because there is, it's necessary when engaging with people that there is a performance that comes out, right? But then there's like that natural performance that shows up in your leadership and your authority. And then there's the overperformance of the the quote unquote yoga teacher that is trying to emulate something that's not natural to them. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think when I'm, when I'm thinking of performance, I think about that yoga teacher that's trying to emulate things that's not natural to them. And I'm learning to, and thank you for teaching me this, I'm learning to differentiate between that natural expressive performance that's necessary to assert yourself and to stand firm in what you know, and the emulation aspect of following a blueprint, not even a template, following a a recipe that people create that it, it has to be this specific these specific steps in order to um, 
prove that I am this person as opposed to being having your lived experience and your your knowledge and your education and the things that you have learned show up as yourself in the performance expression right because now what you're saying what you're saying is that embodiment through your lived experience through your education and through all the tools that you've acquired allows you to perform and express yourself in a means of authority that's not an emulation of what you've seen other people do. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. Yep. Hashtag Lily taught me. <laughs> yeah. So that that's really good. And I think that's important, particularly for for persons who want that that guided uh education who want to work with someone who wants to work with a practitioner these are notes that you should jot down like when you're going on someone's page can you decipher between the persona and the practitioner is the performance a space of authority or is the performance something that you see across multiple creators that have similar messages are they following the same recipe, right? Because templates you can adjust, but recipes have to be followed to the T. And a lot of us think we're utilizing a template when we're really following a recipe, right? Because recipe is science. You follow the recipe to the T, the measurements are exact, and that you will always get the same results when you follow the recipe. But when you have a template, that's a base. And you could customize a template for it to be specific to you. So is your potential practitioner who you are sourcing or who you're fleshing out, do they have a template that they use that is specific to the knowledge and experience that they have? Or are they following a recipe? Like are people teaching you to follow a recipe or are they giving you a template? That's a great question. That's a great yeah. question. And and to that end, I would add ask for a personal story. Mm. Ask them a real question and and get a real human response. Mm. That has really worked well for me because I can read the bio and the information that's there and I can get the information about what the program entails and how much it costs. But something about just asking a question yeah. about the work or, you know, and a lot of people on, on a call will say, well, do you have any questions for me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ask a weird random question that maybe has <laughs> nothing to do with what they offer. Mm-hmm. Just see, just get a human feel for who they are. Yeah. I think that's important too, because a lot of, coaches and gurus or some or whatever however they call themselves these days they become so rote in the sale that they kind of mask their humanness because it's really all about this program that I created that's this recipe that's 60 to 90 days that's going to get you this result in 60 to 90 days and I have to stick to this recipe this blueprint this blueprint this recipe so that I can rinse and repeat right so you you miss the humanness but 
I, I learned this. I'm, I'm going to figure, I'm going to remember who said this. And I know I have it written down somewhere. Your lived experience is data, right? So, you know, in marketing, they may call that anecdotal. But in our space, as entrepreneurs, small business owners, creative practitioners, artists, our lived experience is data. And that's how we are able to show the, the breadth and the depth of our experience because we lived it. We've experienced it. We know the highs and lows. We know the ups and downs. We know where the pivots are. We know where the humps are going to be. We, we can now intuitively utilize that data to be a guide and to be a source because we've experienced it. So when you're having these conversations with people, if they can't recap their lived experience in the particular thing that they're selling, that is a problem for me. That is a problem for me as well. And I think that we should get more comfortable with lived experience being mm -hmm. what we have to offer. Yeah. I think it becomes tricky when it's not presented up front. Mm. I have seen some coaches, practitioners that have all of the things yeah. and when it gets to, okay, well, I am looking for some amount of qualification too. Like what have you done in your background or in your past that qualifies you to do this work? Right. I have no training in anything. Mm -hmm. This is my lived experience. Now for me as a consumer, if I see that off rip, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm okay. I want to know mm -hmm. more versus right. when I go through and I see and then about me and then down, down, down to the small print. Yeah, mm -hmm. I actually have no training or no education in this. This is just my lived experience. I think it's two very different feelings mm -hmm. that I get when I'm, I'm looking for someone and it's still the same thing, right? The lived experience right. is what it is, but I think it's in the way that it's presented mm -hmm. that makes all the difference for me, because if, especially if you're selling me on a method or yes. your framework or something, I, I want to know where that's coming from. And, mm -hmm. and I appreciate, and I can evaluate when I know that up front versus kind of feeling like it's snuck in somewhere. Yeah. Then it makes me feel like you don't feel confident enough in your lived experience. Mm. So now I'm questioning the whole thing. Mm. Yeah. I I can speak for myself when I say there's that possible that that really is a reason why I haven't moved forward in a lot of things because everyone is looking for qualifications. And for me to say, well, my lived experience plus the universe for <laughs> my qualifications, you know, this was downloaded to me from spirit. Everyone is not going to resonate with that. So, you know, me becoming my own case study has been very crucial for me because I can create these frameworks, these tactics, these strategies. I can allow these things to be downloaded, but how am I applying it to my everyday life? And then how I, how am I creating metrics and measuring the results? How am I tracking my progress when I'm applying these frameworks, these tactics, these tools? 
And I think when you present that up front, that's how you can quantify yourself because you did it yourself. And even if you have friends or whomever to kind of beta test with you, that's how you can start to quantify and qualify yourself because if you have yourself plus two other friends who've experienced things and now you have metrics that you can utilize. So it's still anecdotal, but you've been able to measure the progress based on the people who have participated in this framework, these tactics and these strategies that you have created. And now you have some results to share with people. So that's how I'm learning that your lived experience or not having to be in a certification course and utilizing your own gifts and talents to create things. That's how you can qualify yourself because people have experienced it. Mm -hmm. So as long as other people have experienced it, you can then speak to it as an expert. Yes. And say it with your whole chest. Chest. Yeah. Also <laughs> say it with your whole entire chest. Cause that's yeah. the thing for me. Say it. Because there's so many people out here spouting whatever, but I know if I'm trying to lose 40 pounds, I want to learn how to lose 40 pounds from the person that lost 40 pounds. Yeah. Not from the gym rat who's like got all the six pack and looks great on Instagram drinking smoothies, but been the same weight since high school. Yes. Facts. Like, where are the fat people that's losing weight? I want to take their program. <laughs> that part because they resonate with me their body looks like mine so if their body looks like mine and these are methods that they're using and it's working for them well I I want to do that too because then that might work for me but like you said if you have been the same size since high school you've been athletic all your life and you came out with a fitness program I don't see how that's gonna work for yeah. you <laughs> you're just really good at working out and I love that for you but it's not the program for me not not giving what you think it's giving friend mm -hmm. oh man this has been wonderful I, I I don't want to keep you too long so because I know you got things to do because you looked and busy and all those things but if, if there's anything that you are currently working on or things that you have upcoming into 2024 that you want to share with the people then Please, please, please share. Things are being completely torn down and rebuilt in 2024. Listen. And it's exciting and scary all at the same time. I just invite folks to connect with me. I'm on LinkedIn and Instagram and Facebook and threads at Lily Shepherd Moves. Mm. I do have a book called Pleasure Principles for Driven Women, Reclaiming Pleasure Through Movement. We can maybe add the link in there to that. Um, you know, it's available at Amazon and Target and Barnes and & Noble and wherever great literary works are being sold. And yeah, I guess if I would leave the people with any one thing, it is... Do your due diligence when you are looking to invest money with someone that you feel can help you achieve a particular result. 
and always ask human questions. Don't be afraid to shake it up and go out of the script of sales conversation. Yeah. I love that. And trust your gut. Trust your gut. Shake the table. Trust your gut. Yes. I love that. I love that. Like the safe, we we ask ask the question, like, do you want to be safe or free? And, and, And safe is 60, 90 day program, but six months to a year might get you free. That is the part. You just have to be willing to be in love with the process. Yes. Yes. Ah, another great conversation. Another this great conversation. Great. It's always a great conversation, Siobhan. It's always. Thank you so much for inviting me and having me back. I, I'm available whenever you call. Oh, this makes me so happy. This was wonderful. Thank you so much for showing up and just showing up in yourself and just just being all that you are thank you for being all of that that is appreciated i love that yes yes and thank you all for tuning into the muses lab podcast indeed until next time Thank you for tapping into the Muses Lab. I hope you enjoyed this week's adventure. Be sure to like this episode, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, and share the wealth with others. Dive deeper into the lab by joining the pleasure frequency list at www.themuseslab.com. Receive weekly musings, early access, and exclusive drops, as well as discounts on products and services. Thank you once again for tapping in. Until next time.